You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Back with an all new Keep It Brief. What a tall order to keep it brief. I feel like that's not our strong suit. It really is not for you and I. Uh, maybe when Kara gets back, she will keep us on a short, timely schedule. With her like hand slap in the air, waiting to like descend <laughs> down on us for talking too long about whatever, ABBA. We will talk about Ariana Grande upsetting the gays. That's right, all of them. And Lewis attacking straight people. I want. I don't want allies. I want them to go away. <laughs> and we'll have a interview with Casey Wilson about Bravo and other reality TV shows. Living legend, love her. Kara's in that conversation. We because we recorded it before she left for Paris. <laughs> we'll be right back. Well, it looks like the gays are coming for Ariana Grande like she is Marie Antoinette. Here's what you need to know about the gays. They got to be sprinting full speed at somebody. <laughs> you better pray it's not you. So this this isn't even American gays this time. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not the dregs of gay Twitter. It is British gays. So fancy anger. Yeah. Uh, fans are taking issue with the fact that she is headlining Manchester Pride. Right. So people are one saying that she doesn't represent the LGBTQ community and that she's exploiting the community by the price of tickets doubling this year. Uh-huh. Um, she responded on Twitter to one user saying, I have nothing to do with ticket pricing. Manchester set those rates and they're mostly out of my control. But she did add that the LGBTQ community and the city of Manchester are special to her, obviously because of the Manchester bombing and then her doing the One Love um, benefit concert right. afterwards. Um, she, I was re-watching that recently uh-huh. and just um, crying because she did a performance with Mac Miller. Oh, and right. And I was watching other performances she did with Mac Miller and I had a night. Wow. Okay, this sent you into a spiral. Yes. Doesn't take much. Okay. Usually it's just me in my bedroom listening to Almost Doesn't Count by Brandy. <laughs> but Beautiful song. <laughs> this had a video element this time. Uh-huh. I mean, I want to be down, Queen, for the record. Um, <laughs> so she said that she wants to celebrate the community regardless of her identity. And she commented how important representation is. And she's always proud to share the stage with LGBTQ artists. And... You know, some of the people who are sharing the stage with her are years and years, and... That guy's gay? Yeah, I love Ollie. And also, Kim Petras and Lady Lesher are performing, and also Bananarama. If you don't stand Bananarama, get the fuck out of the room. <laughs> um, Cruel Summer, um, I heard a rumor. Fabulous yeah. hits. 
I heard of Rumor is one of my favorite songs. It's such a it's such a specific era of eighties pop. Okay, anyway. Let's talk about what Pride represents for a second. Uh, by, the, by the way, of course, we want queer artists performing. Of course, we want to support them, give them money, make them as popular as all these damn straight people, whatever. When I think about Pride, I think about when I'm 11 years old or whatever, and I'm thinking of the things I'm still not, I'm still basically ashamed of. One of them is being into female pop stars. I'm sorry, like, I'm still feeling cajoled into buying things like corn albums. And you better believe I still <laughs> own corn albums. I have of course issues. You're a freak on a leash. Yes, and freak on a leash. <laughs> I own both. I mean, that video was pretty hot at the time. Um, but the thing is, like, you know, my sexual awakening was. Ha- have I talked about this before? I'm frightened. Uh, the corn drummer David Silveria. Do you remember his Calvin Klein ad? Uh, yes, yes. Just like shirtless in these Calvin Klein jeans like smudged with grease sitting on the hood of a car. Right. He was so hot that was in those a- photos. And I found them in the teen people magazines that I used to buy because I was gay, but yes. also because like Sarah Michelle Geller was on the cover. Right. God, that was such an era of men who were looked like undernourished and angry. It was like a silver chair is what I think of. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I just feel like when I'm, if I'm at Pride, first of all, it's not Pride unless I hear Madonna, who is definitely right. just a straight woman. Um, and people have pointed out that Pride has traditionally had people like Madonna, Kylie Minogue, Britney, uh, Christina, you know, yeah, like Cher, it's, whatever. It's, Cher, it's been years of it's um, like part of the legacy pop women doing that so it's odd to come for ariana now yeah right especially since i mean she is basically what my gay friends agree on you know yeah you know i mean like i just feel i i feel like you know, in, in the way that uh and she's finally having a moment where like straight people like her now too which means she's selling records yeah unlike carly ray jepson who all the gays mostly agree on and yet Straight people are always like, who? No, Call right. me, maybe? <laughs> no. You say the word Carly Rae Jepsen, they're like, did you stop talking? Like, what? <laughs> Can't even hear the words. Uh, also, Ariana Grande has demonstrated time and again that she is not just down with LGBT people, n- not just in name only, like, there for us, um, understanding. She just, I don't know, just a completely rad person. So I don't know why pinning this on her feels like a worthwhile use of anybody's time, especially since she's sharing the stage with people like Kim Petras, where, can we make that trans superstar happen? Thanks. Well, she's probably got to start working with Dr. Luke first. Is that not over yet? I don't know. Yeah. Her concert was cute this week, though. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Who, she Wait, who opened for her? Uh, no, uh, she was just her show. Uh, I also saw M&EK. Oh, that's what I'm thinking week, of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, former Keep It guest. That's right. Uh, and former Keep It guest Raja Kumari opened for him. Jesus Christ. It was a Keep It night. You're, it's uh, uh, the Keep It soul train. And I was coming from the Queer Tees where Keep It Lost, best podcast. Oh, who did we lose to? Uh, Race Chaser. Oh, just well. I mean, at least it's a drag race podcast. That's not, yeah. that's not really competitive with us. Podcast. Yeah, right. It's not really in our genre. I feel like there should have been different genres of podcasts. Yeah, like right. Different genres of movies. Yeah, right. Like this is a Karen Carpenter stand podcast. Right. There was blockbuster movie category, and then there was indie movie category. 
Right. Also, the the show was weird because <laughs> <laughs> obviously Olivia Coleman's not showing up. That's true. So, like fifteen awards were presented via like a YouTube clip. Oh, that's at the, nice. Be- at the beginning, while everyone was milling about getting drinks. I love being rushed through a ceremony. Why not? You know, the Oscars will do that next year. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Actually, Ollie Alexander from Years and Years issued a statement, and he said, the last few years we've played many amazing Pride events. We're lucky to get asked, and I always donate part of the fee. Um, and he brought up, which is actually my opinion on the issue, the fact that he would love to see more LGBT plus headliners across all the bills, but the reality is the lineup are a mix of artists depending on their availability and the need to sell tickets because Prides normally raise money so they can put on their events and also donate to various usually local causes. And the problem is people don't support queer artists. Right. You know, it's like. Of course you want um, Lady Lesher um, or Kim Petras to headline Manchester Pride, but that's huge. You know, it's sort of like when you have people do it in West Hollywood. Yeah. Our Pride is probably smaller in comparison because it's just West Hollywood. Right. But, you know, you think of New York Pride or something, you know. But, and yeah, ours is still like Kesha or uh, Carly Rae Jepsen. Yes, like you that. know, it's like... I was at the M&EK concert, you know, and it was pretty packed for the Troubadour, but I also know tons of gays in Los Angeles who either knew about the concert and didn't go or didn't know about it. And I'm like, if we're not listening to our own artists and actually supporting them at their smaller concerts and buying their albums so that they can get bigger, then... They're not going to be booked to sell out a huge event like Pride. Right, right, right. Also, it does seem strange to me the pinning on Ariana Grande, and, and it sounds like they've backed off this. The ticket prices, it's like, well, it's an Ariana Grande concert. What do you expect it to be free? You know? Mm. Also, it's, I, I feel like every year there's some dialogue about Pride in general becoming too corporate. And, like, this is not an empowering thing, what I'm about to say. Right, because I like that people can make money off me. <laughs> I really? often feel like I, you know, I'm 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 never. Uh, you want a rainbow to. Lacroix? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I want to feel like a viable, you know, member of like a horrible capitalist place, just like everybody else does. I feel I've earned it, you know. Speaking of um, crusades on Twitter, Lewis. Oh, what? You? What are you? What are you doing? You went after Adam Devine. Well, I okay. Did I go after him? You dragged him. Okay. Well, mostly what they had done was taken a quote of his from Gay Times. Oh yeah. So, which is first of all, I saw that Instagram post from Gay Times magazine mm-hmm. where he says. I want to see a movie about two gay guys where being gay is not the main issue in their lives. I want to see them on a completely different journey that has nothing to do with them being gay. And I assume he was interviewed because he's in the movie Isn't It Romantic, that Rebel Wilson film. Right. And I know there's like a gay character in the movie or something. I don't know if he is the gay character. All I know is I looked at part of the interview on Gay Times and I had to stop reading it because it weirdly positioned him as a gay icon 
What? In in the article, it says Nobody that, at the Abbey has ever discussed the show Workaholics. It has never happened. Uh, I feel like RuPaul once said Workaholics is gay, and they just rolled with that. Okay. I'm going to read you this quote. Adam has gained the support of gay fans through on-screen roles, including Pitch Perfect, Modern Family, Bad Neighbors, and Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, which saw him star alongside Zac Efron. Acknowledging his big gay following, he gushed that it was very flattering to have their support. It's funny because my first manager, TV producer Eddie October, is gay. Well, with a fucking name like that. <laughs> Eddie October? <laughs> he sounds like somebody who manages the monkeys or something. <laughs> also, that's not, I mean, like, he seems like a perfectly lovely person. I, your stint on Modern Family has not inspired legions of gay fans. I'm just, that's my uh, feeling. But. Oh, he said his his manager, after seeing him do a stand-up set at the Hollywood Improv Club when he was 21, said, I love you, you're going to be a star. And he was putting together this all-gay stand-up show that he couldn't do because he was straight, but he wanted to make a tape of him doing stand-up. So apparently they filmed Adam Devine doing a set at the Abbey in front of an all-gay audience. And his manager Saved was like, all. you have no idea how many gay fans you're going to have. First of all, <laughs> that's actually pretty cool that he did a stand-up set at the Abbey. I feel like the Abbey has never done that again. Yeah, I don't. Because I don't see stand-ups there I regularly. I drag there and people doing, like, the trapeze. <laughs> and straight people making out. Yes, a lot of that. <laughs> um, and they're from exactly Torrance. Yeah. <laughs> or Estonia. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> the Abbey is always packed. I feel like it's the place that you don't want to really go because it's Woo Chile, uh-huh. the ghetto. But... You know that if you have a random friend visiting during the week from out of town, it's so good during you can the week. Go so good during the week. Tuesday, Wednesday, because it's always going to be packed because there's always European tourists in LA, right. and the gay ones are always at the Abbey because that's the place they've heard of. They've got yes. to go and visit it, whatever. Anyway, um, I want to say about Adam Devine's quote. Here's the thing: I'm not saying we don't need uh, different kinds of gay-centric movies, but this sentiment that he said of, I want movies that have nothing to do with them being gay, it's like, I think that's a larger umbrella of movies than he realizes when you say mm-hmm. things like that. For it, To me, that's like saying- Sounds like Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sounds right. like Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah, just like a ton of movies. To me, it's like saying, you know what I'm sick of seeing in movies? A movie, a movie where a character gets a job. It's like, well, that's like a central part of people's lives. If you mm-hmm. eliminate that from a movie, like, sure, you've seen it before, but that that encompasses so much. So to say, like, it's about them being gay as if that's kind of a more annoying way to take on gay characters, I think is a little bit problematic and a little bit based in, like, an age-old homophobia about we just don't want to see that. Right. It's obviously not his intention to be like, right. I don't want to see gay characters. I feel like it's also couched in that idea of when people say like i don't see color yeah. you know it's i want you to see color cuz the world does so celebrate people who aren't white uh and let us tell our stories and when people say things like oh i just want to see a movie where it's not about that person being black uh what they're really saying is you don't want to see a movie where that person is 
being their true self. Right. You want to see a movie where they are basically just a a white person. Yes. And (laughs) we see enough of those. I think something that also that bothered me about that quote is the idea that somehow we are overwhelmed with movies about gay gay characters acting a certain way. It's like, it still is pretty rare that a a gay character has a main role in anything. You know? So to pretend like we, we are constantly seeing, you know, too much of you know, uh, uh, coming out stories, whatever. It's like, no, we're not. When Love, Simon came out last year, that was basically revolutionary. Right. And even, isn't it romantic, the movie he's in, which as a gay character in it, it's not a movie about that gay character. Yeah. It's not a gay character getting trapped in a rom-com. It's right. Rebel Wilson. Precisely. The first fat woman to ever do it. That's, that's true. Remember that? <laughs> but of course, I would like to recommend to him based on what he said. It's like, Can You Ever Forgive Me was out last year. That's a movie full of gay people do uh, up to mischief, which, which sounds like what he'd buy a ticket for. <laughs> sounds like what Eddie October is up to. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie uh, October is so Hanna-Barbera. That's so crazy. I hope he wins the Rocky Races. Yeah. <laughs> Wacky Races, I think, is uh, Ira's number one favorite reference. Next to number one ladies' detective agency. Yes. If we're not the number one purveyor of number one ladies' detective agency jokes, please, someone direct me to who that is. Probably Race Chaser. That's why they won. (laughs) (laughs) We needed that edge, damn it. (laughs) When we're back, we talk to Casey Wilson about reality shows. Well, Kara and I do, and Lewis talks about the Carpenters. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams robe. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? (laughs) No? Uh, If you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside, and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain Mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR 
and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the Black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Watch What Happens Live. <laughs> I'm Andy Cohen. <laughs> you better not be. I'm secretly Andy Cohen. Oh, okay. I have been Andy Cohen for years. And now you know. No, I mean, the ambition's all over your face. I'm not saying you don't want to be Andy Cohen, but I'm just saying we, we shouldn't be at a projection place yet. Okay. Well, Clubhouse is too small. Okay. Me. Yeah, Could, true. Couldn't be there. Anyway, hello. We are here with Casey Wilson herself. Hi. I'm so happy to be here, guys. Casey. Feels right. This is this is our Nook welcome. Yes. Oh. Kara and I have been into the Nook when we were on Bitch Sesh. With you and Danielle Schneider. In my dirty kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> this is a proper setup. I'm seeing like five tech people staring at me. Danielle and I have like my cleaning woman like pressing play on a laptop. And it never uploads. And your husband David wandering by. Wandering by like <laughs> making a smoothie. <laughs> this is really, these are some inspirational, aspirational dreams. We do have a couple of plants too. Yeah. The scene is set. You have a rug. Oh yeah. You have a rug. Not under that table. Not under the table. <laughs> In my home. Uh, you know, we are very excited for you to be here because we have been sneaking in convos about Bravo and things on the show just mm -hmm. between Kara and I. And it's been funny watching Lewis listen to us talk about Bravo. I do have to say my interest in Bravo took a nosedive, like sort of after Project Runway left. That's, that's basically what happened. But I am a Bethany Frankel fan in a deep way. Yeah, so. <laughs> wow, I'm processing everything you I'm said. very sorry. <laughs> yeah. And yet you seem to, from what I've heard of you, you know everything about pop culture, and yet you will not really dip into Bravo. I do love reality TV. I have like a couple of blind spots, and Housewives World is a little bit one of them. I'm sort of ashamed well, of it. Goggle, everything uh, everything is a stretch, by the way. Okay. Well, so one of the things we're talking about is why, like, quote, unquote, smart people like reality TV and the housewives. Thank you, Kara. I mean, <laughs> in case, and I don't want to, you know, we're smart. It's fine. Um, I'm in Mensa. Oh, yeah. What about the housewives is not drawn you in? Because we, you know, 
I, I, well, it's interesting because I was a one-time like real-world super. And that's fan. an accusation. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was. I think. Well, my thing with Housewives is once you fall behind, my instinct is it's impossible to catch up. But I think that's not true. I bet if you can pick it's up any season, the exact opposite. Yes, exactly. yeah. right. Well, so. Casey, do you remember? Because when I was on Bitch Sesh, and I will forever take the crown of getting you guys back on Vanderpump Rules, and you and Danielle had been off it, mm-hmm. and then you returned. And you told us what we needed to hear, which is that you're not supposed to like it. Yes. Or the people. people. You're supposed to like the show, but you're not supposed to like the people. And not that I like one housewife because I don't, but I really disliked the Vanderpump (laughs) people. But I was viewing the framework all wrong. Yeah. And now I actually love them all. (laughs) 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 And despise them. Those garbage monsters. Those 45-year-old reality stars. With no air conditioning in their homes. Slap blinds and dirty carpets. (laughs) It's funny because I feel like all these shows are like a comedy of manners. Yeah. And it's just with people who have no class. And mm-hmm. so it's like you're watching, I don't know, the the servants try to do um... <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> try to be They're fancy. definitely all like the downstairs. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> um, no, because you know, it's like Lisa Vanderpump is the ringleader and she's just letting these people who work at work yeah. at her restaurant. None of them work there <laughs> mm-hmm, anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is funny why they still have fights on the show about who gets to work there or getting people fired. It's right. like none of you Ariana are clocking is in. always shaking a martini shaker. <laughs> Never, not. Never not. She's talking about her vagina or she's shaking a martini mixer. Uh, but yeah, none of them seem to work there anymore. Except for Lisa's son Max, who is yes, still a barback. Yeah. And I've Peter. Seen him there. Yeah. Peter's oh, a manager. Peter. Peter is a full manager. Poor Peter. He's there every day. Do you well then who who do you think of the Housewives cities is the closest to like Real, because you know Beverly Hills was an interesting one when it started because they all had like serious money. Mm-hmm. Like it was the first Real Housewives. We were like, okay, all of these women are very rich. Yeah, that felt nice. Yeah, which is what we want. Which is the promise Thank of the premise. You. But like, I wonder which ones are like the most sort of legit rich ladies, if you know what I mean. Definitely Beverly Hills. I think New York, then Atlanta. Yeah, I think OC seems. Very dodgy. <laughs> Tamara lives in a condo. She moved. Oh, she did move. She, they, she and Eddie upgraded. That's right. That's right. Because they've been decorating their house with some spawn con. I mean, except for Heather Dubrow, of course, yes. who is just disgusting. Can we talk about Heather? Have you watched? So Heather Dubrow of the Real Housewives yes, of Orange I County. Have watched. She and her husband spent what felt like 18 years building this truly like a museum. A that horrendous they museum. <laughs> and she has been doing these YouTube videos where she gives tours of different sections of the house. And they're the saddest tour. She's like, this is a corner of my husband's closet. <laughs> and this is the middle of an office. She did one that was just like a staircase. Yes! <laughs> and and then she's, she'll just show like a vase. And it is truly so ugly that I cannot believe she's presenting it with such verve. See, that's and, what I love about it. It's sort of like an update of, you know, when you had like a Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, it always seems like it was being curated. You know, like Robin Leach is giving you like an insight into rich people, a life that you can't have. Mm-hmm. Once we've gotten to Real Housewives now, these people have sort of become the curators themselves, but they don't have like 
the taste, you know? It's like, it's cribs to an even worse degree. <laughs> it's very like, because, be careful what you wish yeah, for. It's like, like, here it is. Yeah. They are the here ones leading you around. You have a basketball court in your house, and you were in an arranged marriage. My favorite genre <laughs> of, one of my favorite things of Real Housewives is when anyone is remodeling a Remod- home. Because yeah. it happens for seasons. So good. Uh, I mean, the worst ones are Dallas. Remember when they wanted to buy that? home with a pool in the living room. <laughs> Which they bought. And she yes. was like, I don't think this is practical. I, I think our kids might drown in it. <laughs> this is a real specific throwback. When when Ramona was redoing the Hamptons house. Never forget. Like, after the divorce. <laughs> the reveal of that was so upsetting. It looked the She's same. like, guys, I've been working on this for 15 years. <laughs> it looks the same. It was the exact same, if not worse. How can she spend, it's got to be nine years now, looking like she was recently electrocuted. Just everything about her. Here's the thing. No, no, no. No. Because Ramona is like 60 years old. Mm-hmm. That bitch Benjamin looks, Button. She Glamour. looks good. Oh, no. I mean. She looks good. That, I oh, mean, mean, just like sh- there's something in her oh, eyes that's like yes. scary. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. the Ramona eyes. But yeah. Ramona, this is, I have said this to people. If I were to ever get plastic surgery, on my body, I would let someone in L.A. do it. My face, I'm not letting these L.A. butchers touch my face. Because the work done in New York... Like those Upper East Side, like whoever Martha Stewart is going to and like Meryl Streep. Streep. And honestly, Ramona, whatever, it took a minute to settle, but it looks good. You're absolutely right. Okay, we have to talk about Jill Zarin. How are we feeling? New York is coming back. New York is coming back. In March. Here's why I don't want Jill. If she didn't want it so much, I would be okay with it, but she needs it so much. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, during her husband's funeral, I've heard tell she's calling publicists saying this is a great time to get her back in, to ride that roller coaster. It's tough. She just, she just was so, it was interesting with Jill because I didn't like her in a fun way at all. And like some of these women I actually do not like, but even the ones you don't like when they ebb and flow, like a Tamara or Bethany who have their seasons where they're they're fun to watch and seasons where they're not. Like Jill was just it was so desperate and they're all desperate. But they're the way her desperation manifests itself is just like, I don't want to watch her. I encourage all of you to watch the wife swap with Jill and Bobby Zarin when they swapped with Blossom. No, no, <laughs> six. Six. Oh, wow. Jenna Von Oye. Jenna Von Oye lives in like the stick and it's like, I live a simple life. And then there comes Jill Zarin. It is wild. I love Jenna just because I felt like she spent 20 years being the white friend on black sitcoms. Yeah. That's where I should belong myself. <laughs> 100%. And I'm upset that that's not. Well, you I are, haven't gotten there yet. Well, you were on Black Monday on Showtime. At, which, by the way, has every actor I've ever heard of and might run into. <laughs> like, oh, Andrew Rannells. I'll probably meet him sometime. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, when he's in town, he goes to my gym. That's what I'm saying. I'm not wrong. Anyway. Um, I'm going to keep him far away from you, Lewis. Okay, moving on. Far away. But no, like Regina uh, Hall and Don Cheadle, you know, it's sort of almost a blush. It is. Yes, you know. Yeah. So you're on there. I know. You're right. You're Jenna Von Oye now. You've done it. Thank you. (laughs) Wow. Like premium cable Jenna Von Oye. Yeah. Well, I'm always the same part no matter what I do. If I'm on network, I'm like, girl, you better get out there. And on cable, I'm like, I care about you. You should get out there. Good to corner a market, though. Much like the Real Housewives, you you know you know what sells. You need to know your place. You need to know your place. Mm-hmm. Do you know my favorite thing about looking at your filmography is you are kind of an Amy. Filmography. Sed- yes, but everything you've done. You're like an Amy Sedaris, where I associate you with a couple of main things, like oh, you host that awesome podcast. You're on one of my favorite TV shows, and then I forget all these other credits and things you've done. I'm like, oh my god, you're in my life 
constantly. You know, in I'm every so movie secretly. So Gone Girl, what an amaz- amazing performance, you know. Thank you. So thank you for being like surprisingly slyly very varied. Thank you. That's so nice. Thank you. Yeah. One of my actual favorite things I think myself. that <laughs> I had forgotten about was I was on a plane and I was I was having an Anne Hathaway day because they had like six of her movies. And I watched Bride Wars. I wrote that movie. You I sure know. did. Yes. And with, I, with June Diane. And, and I don't think I knew that. And then I'm watching it in the credits and I'm like, and then you're in it too. <laughs> there I am. There I am. <laughs> Popping up. <laughs> Yeah, that was June and I's first job, and we wanted to be actors so badly. I mean, the way mm-hmm. Jill Zarin wants back on. <laughs> and we got a call that said this agent wanted to meet with us. We were like, well, this is it. Like, I'm done with my friends. I'm done with my <laughs> life. Like, I'm blowing everything up. Was there a funeral for you to invite them to 100%. as well? <laughs> um, and then we got a call that said, you know, this agent wants to meet with you. We're so excited. And when we got there, he's like, so listen, you know, I'm a literary agent. And we were so devastated. <laughs> I went to the bathroom. We went to the bathroom, I had tears in my eyes. And I said, June, he thinks we're ugly. (laughs) It's like a writer. (laughs) I've never been so insulted in my life. (laughs) But um, It's like a step above real estate. Yeah. It's not even. Yeah. You know, uh, real estate, you generally are like kind of cute and Yeah, you gotta present well. Yeah. I mean, do you can you imagine a world where things really took a turn and you were like, maybe they're doing the Real Housewives of Hollywood. Of Los Feliz. Yeah, of Los Feliz. <laughs> no, I can't. Like, so every, someone was like, why don't you go on Cameo? You guys don't Cameo that. Yeah, yeah. Cameo emailed me and asked me to do it, and I said, no. I and then they keep sending you emails being like, this person's on it. Mm-hmm. Logan Paul's doing oh, it. Danielle Stout. I bought, a, I bought a bunch of them. I have a text thread. I'm their best customer. I, I, had, I had just discovered it. I had a text thread, like a Bravo-themed text thread, and one of them, like, Katie Weaver's on it, and um, Kate Trees, and, like, Maddie Davies. So, all, like, writers. And we, and I secretly, like, got all of the recordings for all of them, and I just and I just sent it to them unprompted. So I just like texted each of them this video of um, I forgot who I I know I got Kelly Ben Simone <laughs> was one of them. Was she jogging while she wrote it? She was like in a cab or something. It's like she was oh, in him. Sonia was in the Miami airport just strolling and being like, huh, there's a neck pillow. Um, happy birthday, Danielle. <laughs> I was amazing. just going to ask, is the primary use of Cameo still happy birthday mostly? Like mostly it's birthday greetings. The way I use it is to trick them into saying <laughs> things for our podcast that they wouldn't want to say. My, my co-host Danielle Schneider is very open about the fact that she's let some grooming go downstairs. Okay. She's let things just let them let it go. <laughs> and so I had all of them like James, Daniel Staub and God, Sheena Marie say just like we're hope you're trimming things up, but I oh! but I made it like you're trimming up your life and shaking things up like it made no sense, but they all said it like word for word and it was amazing. You know what's funny to me? I mean, and and I know that it I know that it taps into like people are just like desperate and want to be famous, but in particular with the cameo stuff, when you have rich people who are doing like SponCon like when I see Kim Kardashian still doing SpawnCon, I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like this is this makes no sense. I know. And the cameo, they can't be making that much money. Well, you can see how much they're yeah, making. they're not making that much money, and it's not going to be broadcast in a way where they're going to become more famous. No, it's like I didn't know that they were doing transactions just between one person and them. That's not like yeah, and like Ramona is like Ramona has money. 
And you're like, did you need that $150? I guess it's fostering in the way that, you know, actors used to charge for their autograph or something. It's just, it's audio now. I don't know. I got one for Christmas for my best friend Sam, and I got uh, Sonia to do it. Yeah. She was doing it still in front of her Christmas tree, <laughs> and you could hear that there was someone in her kitchen just talking in the background. An intern. Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, one can, of the interns. You can make a quick, you know, like hundred something dollars by just picking up your phone in your living room and going, hey, this is Sonia. Well, Sonia needs the money, though. <laughs> yeah. So That is true. What do you think happened to Pickles? So we, I was just talking about this. I'm like, is Pickles gone the way of, like, um, God, what's her name? Miscavige. Shelly Miscavige. Oh, yeah. On a boat somewhere. Is she just, like, gone? Pickles was one of, if for the real, the deep fans, Pickles was one of Sonia's interns. <laughs> Like, the fan oh, favorite. <laughs> One of her confused deer in the headlights interns who I just met, populated the house. I met an intern of Sonia's this weekend who said that he just emailed her website. She wrote him right back and was like, come on over Tuesday anytime. So he just wanders in and he said he worked for a summer just showing up whenever. And that one, he, I was like, well, what's a sample job and were you paid? He's like, oh, absolutely not paid. He said a sample job was building a fence around her koi pond because, quote, a lot of dogs and cats had died in there. Oh! <gasps> Had drowned. I said, you mean the fish were dying? And he said, no, no. She said dogs and cats. Oh what the fuck? What the Upton fuck? Upton Sinclair's The Jungle over here? What is I, going I, on? I love how she's like a modern, what was it, Joan Crawford? Because remember, it was that she, like, fans of hers, she would let them be her assistant. Yeah, like Mama, and live with like her. Mama Cita. Or... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Mama Cita at least had a home and things, but other fans would be like, oh my God, I love you. Yeah. And she's like, come live with me and be my assistant for Because it's so narcissistic. Weeks. It's like, I know you're all in with me. Sonia. <laughs> Sonia's maybe, like, Sonia's one of the housewives where Sonia's dark moments, you know, they're not, they're not Taylor dark, but... Are, that wasn't. I know. Well, no, but the, they're like the dark, she's had some dark moments. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of the beauty of the show, actually, particularly why Beverly Hills was always one of my favorites, is that it always felt sort of like a pristine drama. You're watching these people's lives in Hollywood, and you're just getting like the slow peel behind the curtain. It was very like American Beauty. Um, just so <laughs> like because you would. It's about like. Part of the reason why, even as the show got really boring last season, yeah. um, the ratings were still high because apparently people were still watching it for the lifestyle aspect. Yeah. So that seemed more like a lifestyle show instead of a drama-driven one. But it was fun when the drama would sort of seep out of it. You know, it's like you're just watching these like rich bitches be crazy, and yeah. then season one ends with. Revelations that Kim's an alcoholic, screaming about Kyle the stealing house. their house. That's maybe oh. one of the so, darkest scenes that we Darkest. We've had. I mean, so I always, I don't know if you can pick one. To me, the best Real Housewives episode ever is the Berkshires episode, part one. The original part. Like, yeah. best real episode part of Real Housewives. Part one of 25. Part one of 25. Part one of they should release the uncut footage. But the limo one is, it's not like fun in the way Berkshires was, but it's, no, it's so iconic. Fun. Yeah, because they're related and they give us a drama that casual friends cannot ultimately. Yeah. They're sisters and she's harboring the secret that her sister is an alcoholic and screaming it in a limo on national television. It's so revolutionary. Yeah, yeah. I, Could you pick a favorite yeah. episode? What's your favorite? Oh, God. Mine is still Beverly Hills, um, the dinner party from hell. With the psychic, just, yeah. Just the idea <laughs> yeah, of yeah, the yeah. psychic who... Uh, 
Patricia Arquette's show Medium is based on <laughs> is there smoking an e-cigarette, telling Kyle your husband is going to leave you, yeah. uh, and the fact that Faye Resnick is there and she's called out by Camille for posing in Playboy after her friend Nicole was murdered by OJ. <laughs> I like Scary Island, that one when Kelly Ben yeah. Simone was out on the island and went on that monologue yeah. that was so unintelligible. She's like, You're like Gwyneth Paltrow, jelly beans. And don't tell me to go to bed. <laughs> Mountaintop. Al Sharpton. Yeah. She's like, gold. Call me Al, Al Sharpton, Satchels of Gold. And it was like watching just something. One time meltdown. I interviewed Kelly Ben Simone. It was years ago. It was for a random website. And I was, I, I was familiar with her on the show and I knew she. Sort of. You were familiar with her work? Her, her non sequiturs, kind of. And I picked up the phone, talked to her. Truly writing it down, it was like a serial killer sending a message through code. Like, I just had no idea. Like, Zodiac, like, none of the words matched up. But then at the end, it was a movie website, actually. And she said, Oh, my favorite movie is Rear Window. And I was like, Oh, that's my favorite movie, too. Are we, wow. you know, related or something? Yeah. You know, it was very scary. She, that was my favorite episode for a long time. Scary part, Island. Part one. Part one. Part two is. I love, I mean, it's still all together iconic, but the thing about, we were saying about Jill before, it is so, I love how it should be darker that Kelly is like having some sort of mental breakdown on no, the for island. Comedy. That's, yeah. that's, played, that's played for comedy. The until, music goes like, and yeah. <laughs> so of all people is sort of like, maybe she needs help. And Sonia's uh, teeth, more teeth fall out. Uh, Sonia was like, guys, we have to be nice to her. Something's wrong with her. Like in uh, front of, in front of Kelly. Something's very wrong. I love how that should be the darkest, but the actual darkest is the third part of Scary Island where, um, when Jill when shows Jill up, shows up cause there's just something so dark yeah. about you surprising your friends on a vacation, them seeing you and saying, you need to leave. And you need to leave. Alex no one you here. Alex yes. is convulsing. You're like, look at what you're doing to her. She's shaking. While no one wants you here. While they're getting pedicures. <laughs> Can I tell you that my last anecdote, and I know we're... <laughs> Our producer is going to murder us. I was watching that episode, the Berkshires episode. I was home in Seattle with my dad. You'll never forget where you were. I'll never forget where I was. And I was watching it. And he could hear it. Like, I was watching it, and he just was listening in the background, kind of. And the next morning, I was writing a post. I was at Jezebel still about that episode. And my dad's like, what are you writing about? I was like, I'm writing about the Real Housewives, Luann, da-da-da. And he goes, oh, Luann the slut? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Because he had heard he had heard Bethany screaming it, and I was like, "Yes, yes." But that's how much it's permeated the culture. Because you said you didn't know anything, and yet I feel like a couple times today you were like, "I did see that episode." Right? No, just you do feel obligated. Yeah, Yeah, right. And also, along with the WWE thing, it's like you're right. Characters have to come around again because it would be so interesting if one stayed bad, for example. You know, like they know how to keep it really entertaining. So that's why, finally, I will say it is not hard for you to jump into. A Housewives franchise because much like wrestling, much like even watching a soap opera, you know, it's it's a long running show and the women, the configurations may change, but in season eleven of Real Housewives of New York, they are till still technically fighting about the same thing that they were fighting about in season two. 
It's just in a different situation. Well, Andy said, not to quote him, like he, I'm like Sir Andy. Andrew once said that he wanted to build the franchise in a way that you think you couldn't live without someone, but you can. Mm. Wow. Sounds so smart. that they never need someone too much, but I think Nini's sitting next to him because they know they need her. That's how I'm I saying. live my friendships. Yeah. Okay. No one's denying that. Go at that. any point. Yeah. Right. You can go at any point. Am I going now? <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Casey. <laughs> Thank you to Casey Wilson and Eddie October and uh, you all for listening to our latest Keep It Brief. We'll see you next week. And thank you to me. (laughs) Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.